welcome to our latest edition of Bulls in the Ring. I'm uh, Joe, and with me is Tom, who's on his phone right now. I am here. He's here. It's not a very happy mood today. I'm a little tired. I, I worked a lot of overtime. Did you? I've pretty much been up for 24 hours now, so I'm a little, I'm a little sleepy. Are you gonna be able to make it through this, this, uh, this show? God willing. <laughs> well, I sure hope so. Yeah. So what's how's your week going? Good. Uh, I'm working, working a lot of overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there. I'm I'm jumping right in. Uh, we have a we have a very special interview to get to. Yes. Uh, another interview show. I feel like we've been doing a lot of these, but it's only good, right? Yes. All right. Well, I guess uh, I guess we're not too uh, entertaining, so we need to bring other people. I guess. On to I guess so. It's the only way people listen to us. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I guess. Without further ado, why don't you take it away. And we have our special guest this week. It is Irene Voronina. We are going to uh, be speaking with her. She is an actress, a comedian, um, a model. So we're very excited to have her on. Um, and she's also friends with, from a few weeks ago, our uh, our uh, other interview, uh, Raquel. So it's very uh, nice to have both these uh, ladies here to speak with us. Irene, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Why don't we uh, hop right into this? Um, why don't you tell us a little about yourself so everyone kind of knows who you are? Well, if you haven't Googled me yet, you totally should. <laughs> <laughs> because my claim to fame is being a Playboy Playmate. I was Miss January 2001. And uh, as much as I try not to talk about it, it always comes to that. So I wanted to address that first. Um, and ever since, you know, I moved to the United States in 2001, I've been modeling, acting, producing, writing, and as of recent, I'm a stand-up comedian, so um, probably, you guys probably seen films with me <laughs> on TV, I've been on some television shows, and um, that's about it. All right, and you're originally from Russia. Yes. So when, actually, you were born when it was still the, uh, the Soviet Union then, correct? Correct. I was born in the USSR, behind the Iron Curtain. Okay. Um, did you come from a big family, a small family? Um, I guess got divorced when I was little, so I have three half-brothers from both sides, from both parents. I would say a little family. Okay. And did you, when you were there, you said that you moved here in um, 2001, so, how old were you when you moved to the U.S.? I was 23. 23? 24 when I came here, yeah, one or another. 23, 23, I think, yeah, 23. Just turned 23. And how, how was... I lived outside of Russia prior to that. Okay, in Europe or... Yes, in Europe. Okay. How was the the transition or possibly the culture shock of that? I mean, was it an easy transition going from there to here? Well, I kind of, I lived in Switzerland, which was a very conservative country. And um, right when I felt like I was kind of getting a grasp of it and I was getting used to European lifestyle, I also spent a fair amount of time in Milan. Um, moving here was a complete culture shock because... Um, because of so many things that are made so convenient for you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's almost like, I don't know, America is the number one country because people keep inventing things that make people's lives easier. Like you go to a restaurant here and you can get like two or three different types of cuisine in the same place. You know, like this would never happen in Europe. You know, um, I don't know, I think... First time I dine here, they would like accommodate every special request. I'm like, what kind of dressing do you have? Well, what kind do you want? I'm like, I don't know. What do you usually bring with this salad? <laughs> well, we have Thousand Island and Italian and a balsamic and French and ranch and Thousand Island and Russian dressing. It's like overwhelming. I would just say the amount of choices <laughs> and just, you know, the culture, the total like culture of consumers hmm. that's what was shocking and overwhelming yeah i mean we see a lot of you know videos from there and things like that where it looks like everything is kind of bland and just 
almost like very plain. So I guess coming here, you had you had the plethora of anything and everything. So I mean, that had to have been very exciting. I mean, and definitely overwhelming. So you moved here pretty late. Like, you, I mean, you weren't like a little kid. You were in your 20s. Um, like, how did you learn the language so well? Because you speak English very well. Uh, like, what, 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 how did you learn the language? Did you, like, take classes or something like that? No, I studied some language in school. And I probably, you know, would have never left Russia if I didn't speak any English. I... Yeah, I learned English in school, and uh, but again, they teach British English in Russia. So <laughs> living in Italy or Switzerland, I thought my English was great, but then I would come here and it's like uh, I know the words and I can make sentences, but I can't understand anyone. And huh. it took me a while. Look, I moved here by myself with no family, so I had to make my own phone calls to pick up the phone and, you know, I don't know, rent an apartment or <laughs> buy something. Um, and then I started going out for acting roles, and my accent was becoming a big issue. In fact, nobody would take me on, hmm. represent me, and I was told, uh, you'll never act in this town because you have an accent. So I decided to take some dialect lessons and work on my accent. Oh, nice. Now, have you always lived, when you came to the U.S., did you stay, in, did you go to California, live there the whole time? Have you lived anywhere else? I spent a fair amount of time in New York in my early years. Oh, okay. All right. The city, I assume? Yeah, in Manhattan. All right. Yeah, so, I mean, coming there right away, you had to have, had to pick up English pretty quick, because I know from uh, the way me and Joe talk, we, we were rapid fire when it comes to talking. We're not. We're not, I know, like, being down in the South, it's very slow and methodical. You know, mm-hmm. California seems to be a little bit more like, you know, surfer dude, yeah. But, like, in New York, it's rapid fire. I mean, you got to just be able to pick up the, that quickly. So, I mean, that had to have been a little bit hard doing that, correct? Oh, uh, yes and no. It was just hard in general. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think by the time, like, I started... Um, no, actually, I went to New York, I think, like, four months after moving here. So, I guess. But it, nothing was easy, so <laughs> language was probably the easiest part. You know, it's funny. We were down, we were, that was right when we were, uh, of going down to the city a lot. Yeah, we probably we, we probably bumped into you down there at some point. <laughs> yeah, we used to frequent the city. Yeah, we, we were, were down in the down city a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you probably saw, like, this Russian model... Who, I don't know, um, riding the subway trying to make it to 20 casting halls. <laughs> oh, that was you? <laughs> or if it was wintertime, um, no taxi cab would ever stop for me in New York, and I would always get drenched by the, you know, if it rains and there's like a water. I was like, I don't know, by the time like I would get to the casting, I would look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> A taxi wouldn't pick you up, really? No, nope. Huh. See, if, if the king was here, he would uh, he would be able to say that I'm the perfect person to give up. Yeah, uh... supposedly Tom's a really good guy <laughs> getting taxis. Full of shit. <laughs> so you lived in New York for a little bit. You moved to California. Did you go right into, I, I would assume, like the Hollywood scene, the Hollywood area, things like that? Or did you go anywhere else before while living in California? Los Angeles, mostly different cities, yeah, Hollywood-ish. Okay, now you get to California. You know, you're you're pursuing modeling. Um, did you know anyone there? Did it was? Did anyone while you were in Russia say to come there? I mean, did you have any hooks? How how did uh, how did you really get into the modeling scene of California? Well, I lived in Europe and I modeled in Europe. I came here for a modeling job. First. <laughs> and then um, the photographer was asking me, hey, do you want to pose for Playboy? And I was like, I don't know, what does it taste? 
and $25,000. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to an audition. Um, so I first came here in 99 and uh, met with Playboy, and they decided that they liked me. And since then, they were working on my working papers. So I would technically come here and do shoots, but I wasn't paid until I got my social security card like a year later. Uh, and um, when I moved here, I didn't know anyone, but I was, you know, working for Playboy and with Playboy, so I kind of felt comfortable, you know, just being here. So that was like my family in a way. Oh, okay. Now, was that your first experience with doing that type of modeling? Or have, did you do that in Europe? I mean, what kind of, I guess, convinced you to do that? Or were you already comfortable with it from past experience? You know, in high fashion modeling and just like in modeling in general in Europe, they don't even call it that type of modeling. It's more like, like nudity is a no big deal for most people in the world other than America. Yeah, we're uptight. So, <laughs> Which is funny because we're like the complete... Yeah. I'm a model, so this is what I do. Yes, I have a beautiful body. So it was almost like a no-brainer because... Apparently, people shame you here afterwards. Oh, you are naked and playboy. Like, I've never experienced that kind of, um, you know, point of view prior to, you know, in my prior modeling years outside of America. <laughs> so I said yes, and um, yeah, that was it. Now, how did you... Uh... How did you get informed that you were going to be the um, playmate of the month? Like, did, did they just like casually tell you? Were you at the at another photo shoot? Like, how does that all come about? I was here for a shoot, and uh, it was a five day trip. I had, I think, two days of work and then two extra days before I left. I went to Playboy Studios, I think, on the third day of being here, and. Um, left in my number the day, next day I didn't hear back from them I followed up I mean I didn't know how anything worked I didn't know who Mr. Hapner was what Playboy Studios were I've never held the magazine so um, I followed up and I was like hey guys just so you know I'm here for two more days so maybe you can like tell me if it's a yes or no they said we'll call you back by the end of the day, they called me back and they said, can you extend your trip for another week? I said, yes. And basically they scheduled a Playmate test for me that same week, but while I was shooting a Playmate test, uh, they kind of already like knew they liked me. Even before half technically approved my Playmate test, like we already started shooting my centerfold that same week. <laughs> hmm. Wow. It was really quick. Very quick. I mean, that when they tell you, like, is it is it like a lot of pomp and circumstance, or is it just kind of like a casual, like, hey, you're it? Like, like did they? Email. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't remember because it was like almost twenty years ago, and it wasn't probably like as meaningful for me at the time. It was just another modeling job that you know. Like, okay, you, you, you're shooting now. Well, okay, we can't pay you, but uh, one day you will become a playmate. We just don't know when yet. So it wasn't really a big deal, and I didn't really plan on moving here. So I was just for me, it was just like another modeling job that pays well. Did you frequent the mansion a lot, or...? Worked, I mean, I wouldn't just come there to hang out for the most part, but yeah. I worked there a lot. I um, worked at the parties, I gave tours of the mansion, pretty much any time, you know, they would ask me to be there, I was there. Okay, so I mean, you, you you said you gave tours of it, so you're you're well versed in everything that goes on with it then. Yeah. Huh, I didn't even know that they gave tours, that's, <laughs> see, learning stuff new every day. Yeah, right. Not anymore, but you know, in the good old days. Because also, I always had, like, my modeling and acting life. And I was actually the only playmate that didn't have a bunny costume. <laughs> so Why is that? Girls would be hired 
to work in bunny costumes and pose for photographs when they would always need girls who gave tours. And since I didn't have bunny costume, I would always give tours. <laughs> why didn't Why didn't you have the costume? Was there a reason why, or you just didn't want to? Uh, I just felt like I was always busy with other things, and Playboy was not my first priority of jobs. Gotcha. And uh, they always like put a lot of pressure on you when you get a buying costume because it's such a big deal. So it's like, wow, when you get one, you know, like you can't like be a different size or like you have to be available because depending on which color you get, you know, like they're gonna book you. And I think they started making me one at some point, but then I was like, I tried it on and I didn't love it, and I just never like I kind of like never revisited that idea. But in, I think in 2010 or 11, which was 10 years after I became a Playmate, um, I booked a job for Playboy to go to Australia to host an Australian Midsummer Night Dream party. And they were like, well, Irina, they really like you. And like the tickets are booked, but you don't have a bunny costume. So would you mind getting one now? Hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, um, no, I would not mind. I'm actually, I don't, I, I don't even remember how I was, but I was like in my early, mid-30s at the mm -hmm. time. I was like, wow, they, they still want to give me a body costume? Oh my <laughs> God, I'll take it. And like in my 20s, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't give a rat's ass. I mean, hypothetically <laughs> speaking, it just wasn't as meaningful to me right. as it was when I got it 10 years later. Hmm. Yeah, all those years later as well. I didn't know this, but I you said that a different color meant different like parties or doing different promotions. Well, it it was meant something. Yeah, usually black bunny costume is the most prestigious one, and I never had one. I never had a black bunny stories about how gracious Hef was and things along those lines. Do you have any great memories of him? I mean, we know that he was just a really good guy. Do you have any specific ones just for you that kind of stick out about him? Anything that's very memorable? Yeah, you know, I, I first met him um, obviously when I was shooting and I was staying at the mansion the entire time. They would fly me from Europe here to shoot and they would put me in the guest house and I think I haven't met half. Um, and it was my first visit here when I was shooting my centerfold. And phone call comes in in Playboy Studio West from half's assistant. And Mr. Hafner is wondering if I would want to join him and his girlfriend to go out tonight. And I was freaking out. And I'm like, what if I say no? I can't really go out because I want to look good for my pictures and I have to wake up at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Like, I don't want to go. And <laughs> <laughs> the makeup artist who did my centerfold and my layout, we're friends till this day. Uh, she sat me down with a Playboy Studio West photo editor and they were like explaining to me, you know, like you have to meet Mr. Hafner in person and it's not weird, it's not creepy, um, you just have to go out, look pretty and have a good time and we'll give you a dress if you need one. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but I was so scared and um, it was fine, we went for dinner 
some fancy dinner, I think, like, you know, I had to go in a limo with him and the girls. I met the girlfriends, which is, you know, back in 99, it was Brandy Roderick and Sandy and Mandy, the, hmm. the twins. And, I remember those uh, twins. <laughs> they were nice, but, I mean, I didn't agree with that. I, of course, I felt like fish out of the water for a little bit, and I didn't speak the grade of English at the time, but... It was fun. It was fun. And he was, he wanted to talk to me all the time. And he, even back then, his hearing wasn't 100%. So you had to, like, lean really close to him to tell him something. And all I remember that every time Seth wanted to talk to me, one of the girlfriends would yank him away. And, Ooh. Um, oh, so a little jealousy always, there. Like, you know, a little push and pull for attention (laughs) and I was just very shy and um, that's it all I remember that he was very intelligent he wanted to know everything about my life back in the USSR and how things are there now and um, he had a lot of questions about politics but um, he probably never got any answers from me based on the fact that I didn't speak very good English and the girlfriends were always like not having me talking to him for more than 30 seconds. Jesus. That's a little jealousy. <laughs> yeah. Now. Another memory I have, um, if you want to know. Yes, <laughs> we do. <laughs> so I stayed, it was, I think it was 2000. Every time I would come to America, like I would stay at the guest house. And if you stay at the guest house, you kind of like, you know, have to go out with him and the girlfriends. And he had a personal photographer who would follow, you know, him every night and would take a bunch of pictures, pictures in the limo, pictures getting in the limo, pictures in the club, pictures in the restaurant, like a personal, you know, biography type photographer. So he would always do us pictures from the night before. And one time he personally came into the guest house to hand us the pictures. And two of us, I think I was rooming with another girl. Lauren Michelle Hill and we were both in like various state of an undressed <laughs> and, and he walks into the room like he knocks very faintly and we're like yes and he comes in with the pictures and we're like and he's so embarrassed that's the thing he was so embarrassed he's like oh my god I'm sorry I'm not looking oh my god I'm sorry he was like I'm just bringing you girls pictures I leave them right here outside the door <laughs> and, and we're like laughing we're like there's nothing you haven't seen yet yeah right <laughs> It's funny, a guy who makes a magazine like that is just so, like, uh, I mean, not not shy, but just, I guess, humble or respectful. Respectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He was always, like, I'm always trying to explain to people because people just think, you know, he was just another one of those playboys, you know? Yeah. But it's really not him. I would never force himself on a woman it's more that girls always wanted his attention and they would do things because they would try they would try to be the favorite and they would try to be picked and you know yeah i mean i didn't know him well enough but at the same time i got an idea that he's a gentleman and he's very respectful and you know he doesn't just objectify women you know he he respects women yeah. Like I said, everything we've always heard about him has been of the utmost respect for him. So, Good. now you said that you were, you did get finally get your bunny costume. You also had another, what I would consider because I love beer, an iconic modeling costume, and you were at one point a Saint Paulie's girl. That's right. <laughs> so funny you say that. I just. Um... I was unpacking some of my old archives and I found my St. Paul girl costume. <laughs> and I was like, okay, um, I still have two of them, my appearance costumes, yes. I was a 2008 St. Paul girl spokesmodel and uh, it was a lot of fun. I got to travel the country. I visited lots of local radio stations and stadiums, fairs. Um, usually 6 a.m. morning show was the staple. Like, I did, like, 10 of them all around the country. And, um, representing the brand. It was pretty amazing. Now, 
when you were the model for the year, do you get like a year's supply of beer? Is that any of the perks <laughs> of it? <laughs> So when I was, yes, um, I was hooked up with a local representative for that same college girl, and it was his job to deliver me beer every two months. Oh. However, he was a really nice man, and he said, look, I don't want to deliver you 10 cases of St. Pauli. Let's just mix it up. Let's do two cases of St. Pauli, two cases of Modelo, Corona, and Pacifica. Huh. <laughs> Because the same company, Crown Imports, they were importer for those Mexican beer brands as well. And well, that's, that's actually when I started drinking beer because I didn't like St. Paul Girl. I mean, and to the day, I think their dark is great and their non-alcoholic is probably one of the best ones on the market. But if I want to drink just regular light beer, I'm definitely not drinking St. Paul Girl. I'm with you. I don't like St. Paul Girl. It tastes like soap to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of it. Never have been. Tom, you look at me like I'm pissed off. Yeah, they hooked me up with all kinds of beer, and it was, I had lots of parties that year. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's how you get rid of the St. Pauli girl. (laughs) (laughs) Because I wouldn't always get to the bottom of the cases. Mm -hmm. When the new shipment would arrive, they would just put one case on top of another. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was moving out of my apartment and I had to move that, um, you know, the bottom, all, all the cases were lifted and the last one was like a year and a half old and my boyfriend was telling me, no, it's expired. I'm like, beer doesn't expire. <laughs> like, no, beer expires. Like, this is not drinkable anymore. We have to get rid of it. I'm like, no, let's give it to homeless people. <laughs> let's not waste it. Yeah, I'm sure if you gave it to a homeless like guy, he'd drink it. Know that, uh, <laughs> beer has an expiration date. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've you've come here from Russia. You end up modeling in Europe. You model here. Now the next transition is comedy. How did you get into that? Um, after acting for quite a while, I don't know how many years, like, like 10 years of acting but when I say acting it's more like going to auditions and not booking them (laughs) and booking smaller roles that are not really like big speaking roles so basically I have credits I have some credits but they're not substantial enough to showcase my potential does it make sense okay so you have your SAG Um, card then yeah and um, most of my acting parts were comedy. So I was always asked, hey, do you do stand-up? And I was like, no, no way. Well, you... But I also started writing like little skits for YouTube, putting out vlogs. <coughs> and I felt like they were cute, but they weren't super funny. So I wanted to become a better writer. And also I had a terrible stage fright, more so like, audition site. I would be so paranoid. Like, I would prepare a role, go to the casting office and totally blow the audition because of my nerves. So I wanted to confront my fears and just, you know, combination of those reasons, I was like, yeah, I want to try doing stand-up. And um, by try doing stand-up, I meant enrolling in a class that would, you know, teach me to put my first set together and I would have a showcase so basically I would go on stage with prepared material and see how I like it so I did that four years ago and I'm still doing it I'm looking at your uh, IMDB you're in a good amount of stuff you were in 13 Reasons Why recently which is a big Netflix hit Uh, Reno 911 which I love yeah that's that's one of my favorite comedies (laughs) oh yeah I love those guys. Yeah. I love the creators of yeah. the show. Yeah, you were in the movie and the and the TV show. Yeah, that's actually, like, I feel like Reno and one guys, they gave me my start in acting and comedy because I didn't know I was funny until I was cast in Reno and one the movie. Hmm. I have to go back and watch it and look for you. I have to go back and watch it. Yeah, it's a good, that, it's, it's a funny <laughs> yeah, movie. I'm grateful because that was probably, like, my start in acting yeah. and comedy. Now, like, what kind of comedy do you do? Are you uh, 
like an insult comic? Are you a you know like a current events comic? What 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 is your style? What is your genre? If you can like really define it, I do sometimes observational comedy, and you know, like I can do a topical joke. I, I like to get political because you know I'm, I'm Russian and we we'll live in it. <laughs> I can't get more political than that. <laughs> I can't not talk about it. Now, the thing is, um, for the first two years in comedy, I wanted to be like everyone else. You know, like I wanted to get up on stage and. Like, well, I just want to talk about what all other people can talk about is like, you know, like, I don't know, like dating and like marriage and cats and um, washing dirty dishes. But as you evolve in the, as a comedian and you kind of like find your voice and you find what people respond the most to, it turns out that being good looking and being a comedian, first of all, you need to be, you need to have so much, your material has to be top notch or else people are not going to pay attention because they're going to decide whether or not they want to laugh at you in the first, at you with you mm-hmm. <laughs> in the first 10 seconds of seeing you. And if you were like too pretty, uh, most guys, sometimes they just, they forget to laugh. They're just going to look stare at you. <laughs> and then as soon as I open my mouth, you know, if I don't address the fact where I'm from, and who I am, people are just gonna sit there and wonder, shit, Russian, is she Swedish, is she Eastern European? So basically, I have to address a lot of fucking things in the first three minutes of my set. Yeah, wow. And because if I don't, people are not gonna connect because I'm not just like, I'm not appealing to women because, you know, I'm almost like threatening and intimidating because, <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm that hot, but, you know, I'm just, little prettier than an average you know looking woman and I hate saying that but it's true so you kind of have to do a lot of self-deprecating things to um self-deprecating jokes to make other women feel like non-threatened if it makes any sense no you you want to make them comfortable with you exactly like I want to be like their girlfriend like look I, I go to the bathroom, too, and I have gas, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, we all do the same things. And, yeah. you know, you just have to appeal to a much broader audience. And you have to keep it in mind, always. See, I should become a comic, because I am gruesome. So <laughs> I, I would be hilarious out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not necessarily about being gruesome and gross and talk about poop. And I don't know, come for that matter. Um, I think it's about, you know, finding other things than being gross. Like finding things that are appealing to men and women without being nasty. Oh, so you kind of keep it more on the clean side? Yes. Like I said, in this day and age, it almost seems like it's harder to do that because you have to kind of be a little bit more outrageous and. Especially being a female in a what I would consider a more male-dominated field, to keep it clean and be female and be like as you said, very attractive. It you kind of really have to hit them hit them hard, and you're obviously doing that. So I mean, applause to you on that. Well, when I first was starting out, I think I was being a little blue. Blue means you know dirty. And I would like to talk a lot. Is there a clean podcast? <laughs> what can I say? Things? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> <I> say pussy. <laughs> Fuck. See? Now, yeah. I would make some pussy jokes, and I would talk about my husband's penis, and I would, you know, kind of just because people don't expect it coming out of my mouth, they would laugh. And uh, <laughs> but it's a low hanging fruit, you know. Yes, people are gonna laugh at pussy and dick jokes. But if you want to be on television, you have to do better than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, some of the cleanest comics that I've seen, you know, one of them, Kevin James, is a clean comic, and he's hilarious, and he's had mm-hmm. big success, you know, in movies and TV. So it, it is attainable to be that way. Yeah, but it's a journey, you know, like um, there's a lot of girls that are breaking through, you know, talking about their vaginas and talking about, you know, it's just, um, 
it's an easy way and they may be hilarious but i kind of like i took a high i i'm taking a high road and i'm choosing to do different material well their stick kind of gets old especially as they get a little more older and it becomes more passe if you will so yeah. i mean being able to stay fresh and clean and all that you know that that's that's uh commendable so like i said that's that's something that we we you know we can tip our hat to and you know having that kind of talent to be able to stay funny while keeping it clean thank you the struggle is real <laughs> <laughs> now a few weeks ago we interviewed uh your friend raquel um and she described you as her biggest influence <laughs> so obviously that makes you feel really good to know that you're you have that kind of you know impact impact on her yes um yes <laughs> it makes me feel really good because um i feel like i've been in this you know field as an actress and a model trying to make it in la trying to produce my own projects um stand up me and I would lo- I love to empower all of my girlfriends to do things that will make them grow. And when, you know, Raquel asked me about stand-up, I was like, yes, absolutely, you have to do it. You have to get up there. You have to. You'd be so great. I was actually surprised because, you know, she's, first of all, she's stunning, gorgeous, and she's an actress. So she's always busy like she always working i was like what do you want to do stand up but then you know what hey like anything you need i'll help you and i would love for you to do that because maybe one day we can go on the road together and do an u.s tour or i don't know maybe even like entertain the troops overseas who knows so yeah she's like my little sister yeah so seeing how that you are her biggest influence. Who is your biggest influence with comedy? With comedy, not really anyone. Um, I didn't know. I didn't have any friends, comedi- friends comedians. I didn't see enough comedy. I loved comedy. I would watch Saturday Night Live, but I wasn't really going to live shows. Um, maybe Chelsea Handler always stood out for me. And I got to meet her when I was playing Paula Girl. I was on her show. Uh, I think it was, I think it was Chelsea Handler's show. And uh, she was so nice and sweet. And honestly, like, I was expecting for her to be a total bitch. <laughs> but she was, like, she personally, like, I didn't even, you know, like, I had one line on her show. I was, like, the product placement saying Paula Girl hanging out mm-hmm. with Chewy. She personally came in and to everyone's dressing room, introduced herself, gave a gift package and a copy of her book, and, you know, just like, I was like, oh my God, she's so amazing. Uh, no wonder she's so successful. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved her, and that was actually after my appearance on her show, like, I was, I, I watched all of her specials, I would go see her perform any, any chance I get. Became a big fan of hers afterwards. Yep. Nice. Now, we uh, we follow you on social media, and you'd like to do a lot of like uh, short little comedy things on there, putting up videos. Um, being with Playboy, you have done a lot of videos with, like we said, Raquel before, um, Tiffany Toth, who, like I said, these were girls that were um, Playmate of the Months 10 years after you. So could I assume that you guys, it's multi-generational when you're once you're like a playmate it's it doesn't matter if you were from the the 60s 70s 80s or today you kind of seem to all have a a connection and a a group-like setting for sure um especially you know now that we don't get to work together for playboy as much as we used to um we're like all sisters it's um like a sorority but better um, we always help each other, we help each other promote things, we refer each other for work, and like we have this special connection. Okay, yeah, because I actually saw... I feel like it's really, you know, I don't 
now there's like another group of gorgeous women, maybe like Victoria's Secret model, you know, where it's not a competition where like we genuinely like each other and we like to hang out and we get each other's sense of humor and we, you know, believe in each other and empower each other to do great things. Uh, I saw the other day, or it might have been, it might have even been yesterday, um, that you were actually doing a, I guess a Instagram story. I'm not, I'm not too hip on what the exact terms are, but you were actually with uh, Raquel. Was it yesterday or the day before? Oh yeah, I was working with her on Tuesday. Oh, okay. Yes, I referred her. Sorry, that was my phone. I'm at 10%, but we're doing good. <laughs> All right, we won't be much longer. <laughs> actually, my, my, my phone is on silent, but it still gives me this notification. But yes, I, um, you know, I refer to a modeling job, and it's always fun to work with your best friends. This is like the best thing ever, you know? This is the part of me, because um, I keep writing and producing, and I always try to get my own projects off the ground, because if I'm ever making a movie which I'm hopefully making next year. I just want to cast all of my best friends. What, and what? it's like a dream job for me. You're making a movie next year or are you just... Um, we're finishing off the script, so I'm hoping to get a financing for my film next year. Oh, very nice. If you have a premiere in New York, you know you got to invite us. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll invite you guys too because New York crowd. I hear a New York crowd is really tough. Oh, we're the best, though. <laughs> we're tough, but we're the best. Sounds great. Now, every interview we like to do a, a little bit of a rapid fire. Um, we're getting a little bit better with people giving the the, the quick answers on this. So, um, are you ready? <laughs> okay, I am. Very ready. Okay. Right. Who would you consider is the most famous person that you've met? Bill Clinton. Really? Wow. Yes. Do I know more about it? <laughs> if you want to tell some stuff yeah. about it. <laughs> that one, one kind of caught us off guard. Let's, we were expecting... Screw the rapid fire. Let's hear this story. Yeah. <laughs> All by any chance you know no but <laughs> you know he has this effect on women he's very charming absolutely mesmerizing yeah. another model that was with me who was an Australian girl and she was also my roommate she was like I have to go and take a picture with him and she's like but I can't ask him would you would you go up to him and ask him if he, I can take a picture with him? So I go up to him and ask him. He's like, yeah, of course, oh my God. And I take their picture and he shakes his hand and he said, you looked really beautiful up there. Wow. And she, she just, she couldn't say a thing after that. She was just like completely starstruck. And she's like, oh my God, let's go. Oh my God, let's go. Next question. What's your guilty pleasure? Okay, so I try to eat healthy. 
but I really love cheese. So I feel like treating myself. And when I feel like my husband is out of town, I go to Trader Joe's and I buy a jar of burrata. Burrata cheese. Hmm. And it usually comes with two little soft balls. And I just eat those balls for lunch. And um, I feel really guilty afterwards. <laughs> so I have to put things in the trash and like take the trash immediately because my husband knows that I like burrata and this is what I do when he's not looking. And then I complain that I gain weight. <laughs> <laughs> but I can eat burrata all day long for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We will not tell him then. <laughs> Unless he listens to this yeah. interview. <laughs> in fact, I feel like burrata right now. <laughs> That kind of answered the uh, next question with the favorite food. Um, what is your favorite cocktail or restaurant now that we know your food? So what would be your favorite place to go eat and what's your go-to drink? Uh, so I love food in general. There's no foods I don't like. I can eat anything and I never leave anything on my plate. I'm a food addict. <laughs> my husband actually suggested the other day that I should go to... Um, Food Addicts Anonymous <laughs> meetings and You'll see myself. me there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, like, coming from Russia when we didn't have anything, like, you have to eat everything on your plate. So I just can't justify, you know, like, wasting food or not eating food or be like, oh, I'm so full. Like, no, I'm going to eat every shrimp. <laughs> Don't worry, I've won a few, few challenges in my day, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I fell in love with Mexican food. I love all ethnic foods. I love Thai, Chinese. I love Italian. My husband is half Italian, so he loves cooking Italian, but I can't have as much pasta as I please. <laughs> <laughs> or pizza. So I just like, you know, but I can have as much burrata. Always okay. <laughs> so I love all kinds of foods, but yeah, ethnic foods. I don't know. Is it weird to say ethnic food? No, not at all. No. Exotic food. Let's say exotic food. That sounds more politically correct. I'm now like we're all like, oh, you don't say ethnic food. Um, I even like Russian food. What would be Russian food? I'm, I'm curious. In Russia, we mostly eat potatoes. Okay. And it can be accompanied by chicken or meat or meatballs. Or fish, or um, even I'm trying to think what else you can. Well, pretty much potatoes with anything, and we like a side of pickled vegetables with it, or a little salad. But in Russia, as a salad, we don't eat lettuce. You don't have lettuce in a salad? No, we. I think now they may have lettuce, but it's really more like a very Chinese cabbage kind of lettuce. So you can't get it. Oh. And it's really cold. And uh, before we just didn't have lettuce because it wasn't. Is there vodka as dressing? <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, but our salad is like kind of like Greek salad with the cheese. It's onions, tomatoes, and cucumbers, okay. and we serve onions, tomatoes, and cucumbers with everything, with any kind of meal. Oh, and soups. Soups are huge in Russia. Huh. See, Joe is from the Mediterranean style uh, eating, Italian, where I'm Polish and German, so... It, it's it's very much like Russian. So he's sitting there like with a curious face, and I'm sitting there going, I'm like salivating here because this is all this is right up my alley. I'm I'm perfectly fine with yeah, Russian I, food. I relate to your husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, he, I, like even our relatives from his side ask us all the time, "Oh, do you make Russian food?" <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so, uh, I make it, but. Does she eat it? It's a totally different question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're... Oh, drinks and restaurants. Drinks and restaurants? Yeah, sure. Yeah, what's your go-to restaurant? What is what is the one place that it's your last meal? Where do you have to go? Mm. 
contemporary cooking, and I like restaurants that have great cocktails. So there is a place near our house. It's a Mexican restaurant, but I'm trying to remember the name of it. And so we, oh, it's called Cascabel. Cascabel. I love that place. I love Mexican. Yeah, that is. Oh. What's what's your yeah, favorite? So, and it also has you know great cocktails. Um, I um, developed a taste for tequila and mezcal. And my favorite cocktail would be like mezcal meal, super spicy. But when I make it at home, I usually substitute ginger beer for kombucha because it's less sugar, mm-hmm. and I make it extra spicy, like with a spicy rim and jalapenos. Oh, okay. Hey, that you know what that. We actually uh, did a Moscow Mule. We we do an annual trip to Coney Island. We talked about this on a previous podcast, and we actually did a Moscow Mule. So maybe we'll have to take it's this. Not Moscow Mule. It's Moscow Mule. Well, that, no. we we may have to do this. This may be our new. Uh, this might be our our uh, right. 2019 drink. Sounds good. So you have to try it. So you'll have to send us the recipe. Know, the version, it's not tequila, but it's also agave, but it's. You may have to send us the recipe because that sounds actually pretty darn good. It does sound good. <laughs> oh, it's delicious. Oh, my God. I can't drink anything else. I mean, I'll settle for tequila, but mezcal is my favorite, like, liquor. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite city to party in, and why is it New York? <laughs> <laughs> You're in New tr- York? You're a trusting individual. <laughs> Holy shit. I don't feel safe, and we live in the boonies. <laughs> yeah, I felt, like, I don't feel safe in LA, but I felt so much safer in New York. And, um, wow. I, uh, like, one of the trips, I was, I was on an adult swim show, uh, was for, like, Cartoon Network, and they asked me to come to New York for upfront. Upfront is like when you present, you know, a show. So I basically have to have to be like in a booth that's like a photo booth and pose for pictures all day long with right. people. And they flew me and my manager out. So at the end of a long day, we went to the after party for Adult Swim for Upfront. There we met some guy who said we should totally go to a club. And my friend has a table there. And you guys will be kept calm. So we went to the club. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was, you know, it was like so fun because, you know, like we were all, we were in the front of the line. We didn't have to wait. We didn't have to pay for anything. We were like dancing on the table. And I even lost my manager. <laughs> half of the night, I couldn't find him. And the other half of the night from like 2 to 4 a.m., I devoted myself into finding him to make sure he catches his flight because our flights were also like six a.m. out. <laughs> wow, you're you're a good person. I would have just said fuck him. <laughs> right? Yeah, but it's just like it was so it was such a fun night, and like I don't even remember who that guy was, and he probably like doesn't even know who I am at this point, but. We just partied all night with him and his friends, basically. And, uh, you know, it was not creepy. It was not like, hey, what you doing later? It was more like, okay, no, I'm, I'm going home, bye. <laughs> so, I don't know. I always have fun in New York. Very good. Now, we go from your favorite city to party at. What would be your favorite Playboy party? Uh, favorite Playboy party? I love Halloween. Have would always go out of his way to have the best Halloween decorations and haunted house on the property. So, definitely Halloween. Okay. So, we're getting a little variety here with the answers. That I'd like to hear that. Um, you're in... Are you still in L.A. right now? Yeah. So, you must be excited about the Rams. 
recently learned to differentiate it from baseball. So that's a big <laughs> step. But everyone else is excited. So as an LA Patriot, I mean, not the other Patriot, but <laughs> as an Angelino, yes, Rams, go Rams. So may I don't want to sound uh, stereotyping you here, but is hockey your favorite sport? Uh-huh. Uh, see, I'm, I'm a huge hockey fan, so I was hoping. I don't like sports. I never, like, was into sports growing up. And, um, I mean, I watch figure skating, but that's about as far as I Hey, I'd give them ladies, or, well, ladies talent, because they can, they could do things that I couldn't even do walking. So, hands oh, down I, to them. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, watch Olympics usually, that's about as much. So are you into any of, I mean, Russia's obviously cold. Are you into skiing, snowboarding, skating, anything like that? Nope, I'm not. Nothing at all. Growing up, and uh, then I felt like, you know, my limbs are too precious to break them on a snowboard. (laughs) If you haven't done it as a child, Um, like when you're in your 30s or 40s, maybe it's a little too late to try to learn it. I hear that. I was a little nervous last year getting back on skis, and then a few months later I break my other leg. So. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Eh, I'm better now, kind of. He deserved it. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm not just like a wuss. It's just I can see I have to preserve my body for other things. I'm just I'm thrilled. <laughs> Yeah, at my age right now, I'm I'm like uh, I feel like I'm like a gingerbread man. At any moment, I could probably snap a limb off. But uh, now, who would you consider your best friend? Is there anyone that is your go-to, your person that you're always hanging out with? I mean, is it is it your husband? Who who would you consider your uh, ride or die? I think I would have to say my husband because I have a small circle of girlfriends and I love them all. And it would be weird to say that one girl is a faster friend, more of a friend than the other. Um, I do have a friend that's like I connect the most on the creative level, and it's my friend Xenia, but she lives in New York. So it's kind of best friend moves to New York, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say my husband um, because, you know, like, I can tell him everything. I I run my jokes by him. He has a one-woman show in his living room before my shows. He comes to every show. He knows my set by heart, and yet. He has it on him, so like every once in a while, like punch it up and hey, I think this would be funny. Hey, try doing this. Like there's a couple of jokes that he actually like punched up for me, and um, he just you know he never gets tired. No, it's good you got that support. It's amazing. Like without him, I wouldn't be doing stand up, and I wouldn't be doing so many things that he just like empowered me to do. Hey, if you want to write a script, write it. If you want to make a documentary, like, why don't you, you do it? Like, you were super qualified. Like, there's no time to second-guess yourself. You just have to go for it. <laughs> awesome. So what would be your favorite joke to do? If we don't want to, it could be something from your past sets. We don't want to. Have you throw out anything right now that you're currently working on? But what would be your what would be your go to joke if you had to throw one out to to get the crowd roaring? Well, usually at you know in 2019, I opened with um, "Hi guys, I'm from Russia, the country that brought you vodka and caviar, and <laughs> even your current president." <laughs> so that's just it. It kind of breaks the ice and tells them who I am. That's a, like I said that that it's a topical <laughs> one that you can you zing right out there, and it definitely gets everyone with a good laugh. Yep, exactly. So. And you have to get a good laugh within the first ten seconds, or people are going to be thinking too much. <laughs> just keep <laughs> them laughing so they're not thinking. 
Excellent. So we're kind of wrapping it up here. Tomorrow is going to be the uh, the big game, Super Bowl. Would you mind giving us uh, your prediction? Will it be the Rams, your hometown team, or will it be those godforsaken Patriots that no one likes? <laughs> who who are you taking? <laughs> well, of course I'm going to be rooting for Rams because I'm an Angelino, and uh, but. Do I think they're gonna win? No, I don't. And that makes me if that makes me a shitty fan, I'm sorry, but at least I'm honest. I think I'll be drinking a lot of beer no matter what because That's what counts. I don't understand yes. <laughs> anything about the game and um and I would be a lot happier for Amazon because I'm always rooting for an underdog. There we go. As long as you're not drinking your old St. Paulie's girl, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. All right. Well, like I said, we appreciate you coming on. Yes. We uh, had a lot to talk about. You gave us a few uh, things that we didn't really think would have been there. The Bill Clinton thing. Um, that was, like I said, that was that was a great one. That that kind of caught us both both off guard. But uh, we really enjoyed this. We had a great time. Um, if you would have anything you would like to plug, do you have any upcoming shows that you're going to be uh, touring with? Anything like that? Anything you'd like to plug? Your social media? The floor is yours. Uh, yeah, I uh, just faced my very first television appearance. It will be on Amazon Prime Video on February 1st. I will be in one of the episodes of show called Laugh After Dark that features different stand-up comedians. So that was my very first thing that I got to do. Like, you know, I mean, even though it's a streaming service, but I still consider it television, and I'm super proud. So look for me on February 1st and up. <laughs> It'll be there. It's not going anywhere for you guys. Even if you're listening to this podcast, I'm saying a year from now, not in 2019, it will be there in 2020. Just go pull it up. And please watch and rate and follow me on all social media and maybe I will be coming to a city near you with a comedy show. I mean, not maybe, it's the plan actually. And Raquel will be coming too because we'll be like a duo. Touring duo. Excellent. And like I said, when you come to New York, we, we expect tickets. Yes. <laughs> you got it. All right. All right. Well, like I said, we had a great time. We appreciate you coming on. And uh, we'll talk to you hopefully again. Yes. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. It's All been right. a pleasure. Actually, you know what? I've done a few interviews and podcasts where that weren't very fulfilling, but this one was very fulfilling for me because I feel like even my fans and my listeners learned so much more new stuff about me that they never heard before. So I think it'll be great. I'm excited. Do you say that to all the podcasters? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. Sometimes we just goof around too much, and then, like, an hour later, I was like, well, that was nothing, but <laughs> it was fun. But here, like, it was, I feel like it was very informative and kind of fun, maybe. I don't know. I mean, now the whole world knows I like Barada and yeah. I met Bill Clinton. <laughs> well, we had a great time, so we appreciate it. And like I said, hopefully we can do this again. Yes, I would love that. Thanks, Tom. All right. We will talk to you later. Good night. All right. Good night, Arena. Good night. All right. That was uh, Arena Voronina. Yes. Uh, Lovely interview. Right, Tom? Yeah. She. Another. uh, Hit a lot of spots. Yeah. Hit a lot of spots. Very funny. Learned a little bit. Yeah. So. Um, So we. Should probably wrap this up. So before we go, Super Bowl is tomorrow. Yes. Do you want to? Our predictions were fucking wrong as rain. Wow, they were bad. <laughs> they were bad. We did not predict one person in the Super Bowl font in the championship. No, it at all. I'm telling you, ever since that son of a gun cousin of mine had to come on, <laughs> I've done nothing but <clears throat> terribleness. I will say, I did predict the Patriots going to the championship. I didn't predict them to win, and they did. Uh, so who do you think is going to win? Rams or Patriots? I pray to God. I pray that it is the Rams. I am going to say Sue has to have a monster game. And this is why. If he does not, they're going to double up on Donald. 
If Donald can't get to the get to Brady, that gives him time. And <coughs> I also think that the Rams have a very weak linebacker core, which hurts because the Patriots really have no other offense other than a ten yard dump. Ten yards to the left, ten yards to the right, ten yards to the center, and that's how they get their big yards. So the they do, yeah. the linebackers have to play good and Sue has to play good. Yes. And if they do that, I think that the Rams can win. Very nice. So. I have a prediction. I don't really know who's going to win this. I'm hoping the Rams win. The Rams lose, lost to the Patriots in 2 which started this whole entire era. Yes. I think the Rams are going to be the ones to kind of end the era. Oh, they, I hope so. They help start it, and they're going to help end it right at, at this this year. So my prediction is the Rams as well. At least I hope so, because I can't fucking stand Brady. I almost don't want to watch the Super Bowl this year, because I, don't, I just... I'm tired of seeing the Patriots in it. Oh, it's, it's, it, it definitely makes for what I would consider a weak game. Yeah. But I'm not going to not watch it, because right, 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 I'll right. probably have a ton of money on the game. Yeah. So I kind of have to do it. But, uh... uh all right. Follow us on Twitter. Bull in the Ring PC, Instagram, Bull Ring PC. Follow our guest, Arena Voronina, uh, at Arena Voronina, I R I N A V O R O N I N A. Yep, she's on, on all. She's on all platforms. On Instagram, Twitter. Yep, she's all over. So make sure you follow her. Yes. Also, be sure to check her out on their Amazon Prime special, Laugh After Dark. I can't kind of can't wait for that. I'm I, gonna check that out. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy I got Prime. It's uh, so, yeah. I, I I have Prime also. So we will we will both be tuning in <coughs> and uh, tune in next week for another show. Yes. That's what we do. That's what we, we like. Weekly to do shows. That's that's right. Dropping them every Saturday. Damn right. All right for Joe. Tom. See you later.